0: A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter said to the people, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and denied in Pilate's presence when he had decided to release him. You denied the Holy and Righteous One, and ask that a murderer be released to you. The author of life you put to death, but God raised him from the dead. Of this we are witnesses. Now I know, brothers, that you acted out of ignorance, just as your leaders did. But God has thus brought to fulfillment what he has announced beforehand Through the mouth of all of the prophets, that his Christ would suffer. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be wiped away. A reading from the first letter of St. John. My children, I am writing this to you so that you may not commit sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is expiation for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for those of the whole world. The way we, we may be sure that we know him is to keep His commandments. Those who say, "I know him, but do not keep His commandments" are liars, and the truth is not in them. But whoever keeps his word, the love of God is truly perfected in him.. Febom
1: o biscuo
2: et spiriet
1: sicut sancte evangelii secundum lucam The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, "'Peace be with you.'" but they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, "'Why are you troubled? "'And why do questions arise in your hearts? "'Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see, I have." And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, He asked them, "'Have you anything here to eat?' They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, "'These are my words that I spoke to you "'while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and psalms must be fulfilled." Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, "'Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Verbum Domini.
3: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. For the third Sunday of Easter, the risen Lord Jesus had to prove to his disciples that it's him alive and well and not a ghost. And it's totally understandable, the reactions of the disciples. They were startled. They were terrified good thing nobody fainted or the like after seeing a dead man come to life. I think we all would react similarly to how they reacted, startled and terrified. And Jesus had to prove to them that it's truly him whom they personally knew. First, by showing his hands and his feet, because they knew and saw how he was nailed on his hands and his feet and hung on the cross three days earlier and died. He wants them to identify that what they're seeing is truly the same person. And second, he had to prove to them that he's not a ghost. He proved to them not only by asking about food to eat, but actually eating it in front of them. They know, everybody knows, that this is something only a living person does. Then our risen Lord helps their minds to focus on what had been prophesied so many years before he comes walking on earth He reminds them that everything written about him in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. And then, not only reminding them that, but we're told by Luke, our Lord opened their minds to understand scriptures. How much we need the Lord whenever we read scriptures, because we can read and read and read and not really understand anything we read unless we rely on God to open our minds to his words, as he did to the disciples. The Lord wants his disciples to know that their Lord, who was put to death, is truly alive, and well again, and he wants them to be his witnesses, and he wants them to let everyone know to repent of their sins and be converted. Their sins would be forgiven through his name. Another evidence that we have today of our Lord's resurrection is the Shroud of Turin and we have its replica downstairs before one enters the Lord church there's a lot of things you can read on this um in the internet a lot of them were details historically and so forth you can really go go into this a whole lot and but i just wanted to share with you from one priest father robert spitzer who wrote a beautiful summary of the shroud as evidence to our Lord's resurrection. He said, evidence pointing specifically to Jesus' place and time of origin and to his unique crucifixion and resurrection. He said, the material of the shroud, the pollen grains on it, and the coins on the man's eyes all have their origin in first-century Palestine, the place where our dear Lord was purported to have died. Instead, the bloodstains come from a crucifixion event identical to the one described in the four Gospels, which was very unusual, if not unique in many respects, such as being crowned with thorns, being flogged, and being pierced with a Roman spear. And then he said the five enigmas, the five mysteries of the shroud's image, point to a transphysically caused burst of vacuum ultraviolet radiation from a mechanically transparent body. This is suggestive of the transformation of our Lord's body from a physical one to a spiritual glorified one as reported by St. Paul and the four uh, Gospels and this that's why he was able to do what he did in the upper room uh, even though the doors were locked. He stood in their midst in front of them saying peace be with you and this is one of the characteristics of um, of uh, glorified, spiritual, glorified body, that the body is subjected to the mind, the soul. So he's able to do this. And so Father Spitzer summarized five points of this shroud. Like I said, you can, you can go on the Internet and look a lot more information, a lot more details on this shroud of Turin. But Father summarized five points is that one. the image is only on the uppermost surface of the fibril, small fiber. Thus it could not have been formed by chemicals. And two, the image shows the whole body. However, not all areas of the cloth came into contact with the whole body. When we think about that, that's, that's a miracle right there already. Three, the image was not produced by vapors from chemicals or vapors from the corpse itself. And then fourth, there is a double image on both the front of the cloth and on the back, but no image in the middle of the cloth, implying that the cloth collapsed into a mechanically transparent body." What he's saying is, remember, um, I think it was Easter Sunday morning, the Gospels from John's Gospel were John saw what he saw in that empty tomb, the cloth, and basically, let's say this is the, the shroud with the body in there. Once our Lord resurrected, the cloth just simply flattened. So, it just flattened. So, that's what he's talking about, uh, where he's saying, implying that the cloth collapsed into a mechanically transparent body. And then uh, five, you can see inside the body like an x-ray. Again, we, you can go look downstairs, the uh, replica of the shroud, what Father's talking about. And then he said, the spiritual glorified transformation of Jesus' body was unique to the Christian view of resurrection. It was not known in Judaism, which held to a resuscitation of the flesh, like what happened to Lazarus, simply resuscitation of the flesh, that he would have to die later, where our Lord was not the case, or pagan cults which held to eternal or ghost-like views of immortality. Thus, the enigmous on the shroud's image point to the uniquely Christian view of resurrection implied by our Lord's risen appearance." And then he said, the odds of this first-century Palestinian burial shroud with the unique features of our Lord's crucifixion and resurrection being that of anyone else is exceedingly remote. Inasmuch as the image is not a forgery, and that it originated from a real person living at the time of Jesus, crucified in the unique way of our Lord, and producing a burst of intense vacuum ultraviolet radiation from his decomposing body, who else would it be? Whose body would it be besides our dear Lord? Given all this, we might reasonably infer that the shroud is the burial cloth of Jesus, which contains not only a relic of his crucifixion, but also of his resurrection in glory. If so, it shows both the truth of the most significant event in human history, as well as the accuracy of the gospel accounts of it. And John Paul the Great, St. John Paul II, called the Sroud of Turin a distinguished relic that's linked to the mystery of our redemption. Jesus Christ is risen. He is truly risen indeed. Not only the disciples get the proof of his resurrection, But you and I as well, you and I as well from the Lord himself through his words in the gospel, through God's word in the Old Testament prophecies, psalms, laws about him and also through the Shroud of Turin as well. Like the disciples who believed in his resurrection and who preached, that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has forgiveness of sins through his name, may we have the strength and the grace to do the same as well, because as the Lord himself said to to them and to us today, you are witnesses of these things. We truly are witnesses of the Lord Jesus, who is risen from the dead. May we persevere until the end, being his true witnesses in this time. This time we are living in that desperately needs the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. We are witnesses of these things for our time that we are living in. And again, this world desperately needs the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for the salvation of the world and for the forgiveness of sins.